0: Well, good morning, Chelton, and uh, I've got to tell you how encouraging it was for me with that uh, Advent reading this morning, because, um, yes, this is kind of my swan song, (laughs) but um, doing that Advent reading was the daughter of one of my youth group kids from back in the 1980s. Uh, It's neat to see the generations um, commend the works of the Lord to the next generation. So thank you all for that. This morning uh, we continue in our Advent series entitled Fear Not, Fear Not. And in previous Sundays we've heard angels approach first Joseph and say to Joseph, fear not. And then last Sunday the the angel approached Mary and again, fear not. Well, this Sunday uh, the angel will approach shepherds and again be told, fear not. And hopefully this morning we will hear the word of God say to us, fear not, fear not. Let's take a moment to bow our heads, please. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son of God and Holy Spirit, you sent Jesus to us 2,000 years ago. He came to us. Lord Jesus, come to us again this morning in a powerful way, in a, in a memorable way, in, in such a way that we will not forget the word you have for us this morning. So come, Lord Jesus, come, and have our hearts, our heads, our hands and feet, not just tomorrow morning, but all the mornings that are to follow. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. You remember that famous line? Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And of course, that comes from the Wizard of Oz, as Dorothy made her way through her land of fantasy, but I would grab a hold of Dorothy and say, Dorothy, you need to take, take captive these imaginations. There's no real danger in the land of Oz. There's no land of Oz. <laughs> However, not so for the shepherds. The night of Christ's birth in Luke chapter 2, not so for the shepherds who were abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Because for them, it was real lions and tigers and bears and robbers and thieves as well. They were a very real threat to the shepherds and their sheep, and why? Well, because our setting in Luke chapter two was during the lambing season, the lambing season. So the sheep were not being kept in their folds, but out in the open fields so they could give birth to their lambs. And again, while shepherds kept watch over their flocks by night, so while the shepherds sat around their campfires. Their senses were on high alert. Any unusual sound would, would grab their attention and get their immediate investigation. It was a very real, a very dangerous time for both sheep and shepherds. But on this particular night, as the shepherds' eyes and ears continue to scan the darkness, suddenly out of the heavens, a glowing figure begins to descend down upon the shepherds. And suddenly this night is not going to be so silent, is it? Can you hear the shepherds? Jonas, Lucas, wake up. Look up in the sky. What's that? Is is that an angel coming at us? Well, let's hear exactly what Luke says about that. Chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Hear it again. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Terrified. And to get the full force of that word terrified, you need to put five exclamation marks behind it. (laughs) Because now, now after heaven has been silent for 400 years, the heavens will explode with a sight and sound that will be remembered forever because the word of God stands forever. And remember this glowing angel didn't just come strolling up the path to their campfire, no. Didn't come out from behind a rock whistling uh, Christmas carols, no. Gloriously, blinding light, floating down out of the heavens. And even though the angels will begin with the words, fear not, I'd be shaking in my sandals. Would I have even heard the message I would have been so frightened. Well, let's make sure we do hear the message. Now, verse 10 of Luke chapter 2. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now you need to know verse 10 is loaded, loaded with gospel truth. First of all, it's good news. And that word good in the original language is significant. It means that this news is coming from God. Good news in the Bible comes from God. And it will result in what? Great joy, great joy. And assuming the shepherds heard these words in their mother tongue, uh, that, that word great means maximum. It doesn't get any bigger, better, greater than great joy. And joy, much more than happiness. Joy, it's a holistic contentment that will flow over one. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like heaven on earth to me. Sounds pretty good to me. But it gets even better than that. This good news of great joy will be for who? All people. All people, lowly shepherds all people, the rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, masters, slaves, criminals, priests, Jews and Gentiles, Greeks, Romans, you, me. It's for all people. But the angel still isn't finished with this great news. Now hear verse 11, verse 11. Today in the town of David, A Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. Now, First of all, remember, this is not a forecast or prophecy. This is happening right now to them. Today, prophecy fulfilled right now in the city of David, which we, of course, know is also Bethlehem. Bethlehem. And at this point, maybe one of the shepherds is remembering their childhood synagogue lessons, thinking, hey, guys, don't didn't Micah have something to say about where the Messiah would be born? And yes, he did. The prophet Micah, speaking for God, says, "But you Bethlehem, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel." That's right. The Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, prophesied 100 years hundreds of years earlier. But the angel's still not done. Still not done. And now goes on to identify this baby as Savior, Messiah Christ, and the Lord. Actually, this baby born in Bethlehem becomes the whole package, doesn't he? (laughs) He's Savior, the long-awaited, once and for all, spiritual rescuer, spiritual redeemer for all. And you see, up to this point in Israel's history, the blood of bulls and goats could only cover sin, not absolve it completely. So this is great news, a savior once and for all. And this baby will also be Messiah, the Christ, which the Jews always understood as royalty, the one who would be their everlasting king from the line of David. And let's not forget the title, the Lord. The Lord, which everyone understood as supreme authority over all. And by the way, shepherds, if you're struggling to believe this heavenly news, this good news of great joy, the proof's right down the road in Bethlehem, right down the road in the little town of Bethlehem, verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now, if I'm one of the shepherds, Here comes the first of my many questions on this occasion. Wait a second, you're you're telling me, you're telling us that the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, is a baby and can be found in, in Bethlehem? Bethlehem, why not Jerusalem? And can be found specifically in a barn with cattle? A feeding trough wrapped in rags? And I'm wondering if, at this point, God knew this would be more than the shepherds might be able to swallow at this point. So the angel calls for reinforcements. The angel calls for the grand finale, if you will. Verses 13 and 14. And then suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And the heavenly host, this angelic army of heaven, burst into the night sky, and not just with a concert, but with a military display worthy of the King of kings and Lord of lords. But then, as suddenly as the angels appeared, they, they disappear. Poof. Verse 15. Verse 15. And when the angels had left and gone into the heavens, The shepherds said to one another, well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. Now, I'm just wondering that before they bolt to Bethlehem, they're they're found just staring at each other, bulging eyes, bulging eyes. Guys, did we really see this? Did this really happen? And by the way, who are we going to tell? Who's going to believe us? But for sure, according to verse 15, look back. The shepherds are convinced this good news of great joy has come from, not the angel, but the Lord. The Lord. Now, let's hit the pause button here for just a moment. Because I've read this many, many times. I, I, I always start to think, why shepherds? Why come to the shepherds? Why entrust them with such important news? If I'm God and be thankful, I'm not. If I'm the angel, I'm going right to Fox News, or I'm going to Harvard University, or I'm going to the Vatican. I think you get my drift here. Why not go to an entity that has a whole lot more influence than sleep deprived shepherds? Well, let's see why. Let's read on. So the shepherds decide, verse 15, verse 15 again. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us. in verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, the Christ child, who was lying in the manger. Before they take off, can you hear the shepherds? Jonas, you go check out Hezekiah's Inn, see if anybody's there. Lucas, go down to Aquila's barn and see if anybody's down there also. We need to find this baby. But I've got to believe that fear and trepidation still is gripping these shepherds. Why? Well, first of all, remember, they just encountered a blinding display of thousands of angels putting on a concert. Secondly, the the shepherds were entrusted with a very detailed declaration, maybe hoping they can remember it all when people, should people ask about it? Maybe fear and trepidation also because might this whole spectacle have been some kind of devilish hoax? And when we go snooping around Bethlehem, we're not going to find anything? Or, or just maybe their fears are now beginning to turn into faith. God has already provided evidence. He's known to do that. Evidence to show that this is for real. There was the glorious angelic display. And when they seek, they find. And when they knock, a barn door will be open to them, revealing exactly what the angel told them. A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But the evidence only continues to mount as they meet up with Mary and Joseph, as they each share their own angelic encounters and join together their divine puzzle pieces of truth that were shared by those angels. Hear hear about that. Hear about that. Uh, I think their fears begin to deflate and their faith begins to inflate. There's a hint to that in verse 17. And when they, the shepherds, had seen the Christ child, They spread the word concerning what had been told them, not just by angels, but Mary and Joseph as well, what had been told them about this child. So not only is the the, the big picture beginning to expand for the shepherds, but I'm convinced their hearts are beginning to expand as well, turning their fears again into faith, even into great joy the great joy that the angels had promised. So, so are you catching here, do you see what God is doing here for and with the shepherds? As God gradually introduces, reveals pieces of his truth and the angel, excuse me, and the shepherds begin to act on that truth, run to Bethlehem, find the Christ child, meet and talk with Mary and Joseph, their fears begin to fade, and their faith comes to fruition. But even more than that, this good news of great joy so overtakes, so overwhelms the shepherds. Watch what happens next. We'll do verse 17 again, and all the way through verse 20. Verse 17, when they, the shepherds, had seen him, the Christ child, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds then returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These shepherds can't keep quiet, can they? And did you catch the, the divine chain reaction that's going on here? First, the shepherds hear the word of God. Next, they they respond to the word of God. And after that, their reward is that they meet the Savior, the uh, Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, the Son of God, which causes the shepherds then to worship and witness. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> the divine chain reaction is initiated, jump started. Oh, oh, initially, and this comes from one of the other pastors, initially, uh, the shepherds feared the angelic messengers, didn't they? But now the shepherds themselves become fearless messengers, don't they? You see what else God has done here as well? God has exalted the humble. God has exalted the humble and privileges lowly shepherds to become, catch this, the very first wise men to visit the Christ child. Yeah, the very first wise men to visit the Christ child. And they, too, bring gifts. They, too, bring three gifts. Did you see them? Worship. Worship. And you got it. Worship. Worship. The best gift you could ever bring to Jesus. And yeah, the shepherds uh, eventually return to their fields, return to their shepherding. Yet they never are the same again, are they? You know, we don't know for sure, but when the heavens burst open with this glorious sight and sound, I wonder if these fearful shepherds at that point retreated to the words of Solomon. You remember them. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Don't necessarily try to figure this all out. But in all your ways, acknowledge God, and He will direct your paths. And isn't that exactly what God does? He directs their paths right to Bethlehem, right to the Christ child. Well, you may be with us this morning You, too, may not have this all figured out. (laughs) Who does? Or you may be with us this morning, and you, too, have your own personal fears with which you struggle. Your health, COVID. Expectations others have on you for Christmas. Finances that are dwindling. Lost, broken relationships that will never be found again. And that list could go on and on. That list of fears... But the grace of God can also go on and on and on and on. For God's grace and God's mercy are new every morning and he is faithful when we are not and I am not at times as well. And So maybe today your your prayer needs to be as simplistic as that of a father who brought his son to Jesus, a son who was demon-possessed. Lord Jesus, heal my son. And Jesus responds to the Father, just believe in me and my word. And the Father prays, begs simply, Jesus, I believe, but please help my unbelief. Please help my unbelief. And Jesus does restore this man's son, turning this father's fear into faith, more than that, even into great joy. Well, uh, I begin to close with this reminder. When Jesus was facing crucifixion, even knowing that on the third day he would rise again, when Jesus is facing crucifixion, the night before the cross, Jesus prays, to his heavenly Father. Father, if it, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Take this cup of wrath away, this cross that's before me. If it's possible, take this cup from me. But then Jesus concludes that prayer as you know. Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. I think we can safely say that Jesus Christ did not relish going to the cross. But not just because of the physical agony that awaited him. I'd suggest more so because of the spiritual agony that awaited him. You remember, while hanging on the cross, Jesus bore the sin of the world, even world history. And how dark and humiliating humiliating and crushing, devastating that must have been for Jesus as all sin and darkness shroud him and the hill of Calvary three hours of darkness. But maybe even that wasn't the most grave and gut-wrenching for Jesus while hanging on the cross. Because as Jesus was bearing the ugliness of all of our sin, his heavenly father turns his back on him, doesn't he? As evidenced by Jesus crying out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for a mysterious moment in time, Jesus is forsaken by his heavenly Father, so we would never have to be. But what enabled Jesus to persevere through such physical and spiritual agony on that cross? Well, I think Jesus certainly believed his Father's word, his promises. One of those promises of 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 resurrection comes from um, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, a number of others, but hear what the prophet Isaiah has to say about the Messiah and his death and resurrection. Verse 11, after the suffering of his soul, see not just his body, but his soul as well, bearing our sin, after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. And he does so on the cross. And so, like the shepherds, it was God's word, God's truth that Jesus trusted. And eventually it results in joy. In joy for Jesus. How do I know? Well, hear how Jesus was able to persevere through his crucifixion. The author of Hebrews nails this down. How Jesus was able to persevere through his crucifixion. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, who for the joy set before him was able to endure the cross. See, Jesus fixed his eyes beyond the cross and what awaited him beyond the cross. And not just his own resurrection, but also the resurrection of those who truly place their faith, their trust, in Him as Savior, Master, Christ, and Lord, beyond the cross. I think you mothers might best understand this concept of forward-looking beyond the, the fear or the struggle, the difficulty. Moms, remember your pregnancy? As your pregnancy grew over the nine months, not only did your discomfort, probably pain, but also your concerns, your anxiety, and maybe even your fears. And as you approached your delivery date, your fear of pain or even something worse only increased. But moms, you chose to look beyond your delivery. You chose to look beyond your delivery to the new birth, to the new life, and all the joy-filled days that would follow. For the joy set before you moms, you look beyond your struggle, your pain, your fears. See our fears begin to dissipate when like Jesus we choose to look beyond our pain and suffering to the joy of new birth, new life that is available to us through Jesus Christ. And so this morning I end with this, fear not Fear not. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear, and it's Jesus who is that perfect love and example. And your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as Savior, Messiah, Lord, will make available to you the joy of the Lord to overcome any fear that still comes your way. Church, Fear not, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Son of God and Holy Spirit, thank you for the evidences of your involvement along the way for the shepherds, Mary and Joseph. Thank you that you don't leave us guessing but you provide evidence for faith. Thank you also, Lord Jesus, that you gave us examples. You gave us hope so that we can Be forward-looking so that we can look beyond what our struggle is, what our pain is, what our fear is, knowing that you have something better, much better on the other side, even the other side of this life. So thank you, Lord God, for providing us your son, Jesus, who provided us with that salvation that we would be able to enjoy forever and ever. Amen and amen.